All right, everybody, welcome to the Moonshot Podcast. I am wanting to try out something new. I'm wanting to start a Bitcoin and crypto series uh, within my podcast, and I want to focus on the basics, like the absolute basics, so that the beginner who knows nothing can have a basic understanding of what Bitcoin is and what crypto is after listening. At least that's my hope and my goal. So that being said, this episode, I want to focus on what Bitcoin is. And I'm titling this episode, Bitcoin for Fifth Graders. I want it to be simple enough that a fifth grader can understand it. So that being said, I'm going to jump right into it. What is Bitcoin? Bitcoin was created by someone named Satoshi Nakamoto, who wanted to create a new kind of digital money that didn't rely on banks or governments. Nobody knows who Satoshi Nakamoto really is. We only have the history of Satoshi's online chats with several other uh, computer cryptographers uh, back in the mid-late 2000s. So Bitcoin was created because Satoshi saw that the government controlled the money supply and governments always ended up printing more money, which creates inflation and in turn ends up hurting the individual citizen while the government isn't it, the government isn't harmed at all. So Bitcoin is decentralized, meaning thousands of computers around the world run the Bitcoin network or it's or called the blockchain. A, the blockchain is a public ledger, which is like a big list of every transaction that happens and has ever happened on the Bitcoin blockchain. It is stored on all the computers in the network, all these transactions, every single transaction all the way back to 2009 when Satoshi sent the first transaction. Bitcoin also has a fixed supply of 21 million Bitcoin, which is gradually released into circulation over time. At the time of this podcast episode, there's something like 19,300,000 Bitcoin in circulation. So uh, maybe just under 1.7 million Bitcoin left to be mined. And we will get into Bitcoin mining in just a second. So governments control each country's money system, which makes it centralized because there is one point of, con- one point of control. Banks kind of help the government distribute and hold money. So these central authorities, governments and banks, make decisions that aren't always in the best interest of the citizens or customers, but instead make decisions that benefit the bank or the government. Centralization is vulnerable to hacks and corruption. Banks spend billions of dollars a year on cybersecurity to prevent a hack to, uh, to, to prevent a hack to their central network. Now, if banks have billions of dollars a year to spend on security, what does that tell you? That banks just have all this money floating around to spend on protecting their central computer system. Hmm. Satoshi believed that decentralization was key for a this new kind of money, Bitcoin, because decentralization or a decentralized system is so much harder, if not impossible, to hack and it is impossible to corrupt. Now, it's very easy to corrupt a country's 
money supply or money system. You know, you have corrupt politicians who print millions, billions, trillions of dollars, and then that currency loses value. And you know, big corporations and lobbyists will give politicians money to enact laws that will benefit the corporation but harm individuals. This is just about every monetary system on the planet except for digital currencies that are decentralized. So going back to Bitcoin, whenever somebody wants to buy or sell Bitcoin, they send a transaction, which is a message to the network of computers around the world asking to add their transaction to the blockchain. So I have $50 of Bitcoin. I want to send it to my friend Kyle. I initiate that transaction. And that transaction gets added to the blockchain and the network, uh, the network of computers that run the Bitcoin blockchain, then check to make sure that I have $50 worth of Bitcoin to make that transaction. And once uh, some of these computers verify that, yes, there really is $50 worth of Bitcoin. And yes, this is the address that the Bitcoin is going to. Then the transaction is confirmed and Kyle receives that amount of Bitcoin. And uh, that transaction is added to the blockchain where everybody can see it forever. Now, nobody uh, will know that it is me and Kyle doing this transaction unless you know our specific wallet addresses. And I will get into wallet addresses on a different podcast episode here soon. So the network of computers that are constantly verifying transactions are in turn rewarded with a small amount of Bitcoin for verifying it. Uh, the network of computers not only verify transactions, but they are also doing what is called Bitcoin uh, mining. Now, Bitcoin mining is like a digital treasure hunt. So imagine you're looking for buried treasure, but instead of digging in the ground, you're searching for special computer codes. And these codes are called hashes, and they keep the Bitcoin network running smoothly. Bitcoin mining computers are constantly searching for these hashes by solving complex math problems. When a mining computer finds a hash, they add it to the blockchain uh, with every transaction dating back to 2009. Um, when the, and these hashes are really hard work and take a lot of energy and computing power. So special computers are doing this, you know, your laptop, your Apple laptop or windows laptop can't, uh, run these computational, uh, hashes. And so, um, because it is so difficult, the mining computers are rewarded with new Bitcoin every time the computer finds a new hash. And this reward helps keep miners motivated to keep searching for new hashes and keep the Bitcoin network running smoothly. And this is also important to keep the Bitcoin network strong. The more computers that are uh, running these hashes or trying to find these hashes and verifying transactions, the stronger the Bitcoin blockchain or network gets. So overall, Bitcoin mining is a new way to earn Bitcoin by solving complex math problems and verifying transactions on the blockchain. So think of it like a digital treasure hunt that keeps the Bitcoin blockchain secure. Another important part of Bitcoin or another important feature of Bitcoin is that 
its limited supply is 21 million, but this amount of Bitcoin is gradually released into circulation every 10 minutes. So every time a new hash is found by a mining computer, that computer closes a block. This is why it's called a blockchain. So literally think of a chain. You have an individual link and every 10 minutes, a new link or block is added to the chain. Um, and then once that new link or block is added to the block chain, that computer is warded, re rewarded with new Bitcoin for closing that block. And this is how more Bitcoin is added to the circulating supply. So once that block is closed, it contains all the transactions for the last 10 minutes and a new block is created every 10 minutes. So the amount of Bitcoin that is rewarded to that computer finds a new hash every 10 minutes. Um, and currently the reward every 10 minutes is 6.25 Bitcoin. So every 10 minutes, whatever computer is uh, closing that block, that computer is rewarded with 6.25 Bitcoin. And um, this reward is cut in half uh, roughly every four years. And this is called the Bitcoin halving. So the next time the halving will occur will be around April, May of 2024. Uh, we don't know exactly when, we just know that that's uh, roughly when it will happen. And the reward will go from 6.25 Bitcoin to 3.125 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. And the halving is an important part of Bitcoin because as more and more Bitcoin is mined by computers, it not only becomes more scarce, but the supply that is released every 10 minutes is also reduced. So it's almost like a double scarcity. And this continues to give Bitcoin more value. So... Uh, now we will get into kind of how to buy Bitcoin. So people can buy Bitcoin on what is called an exchange. And an exchange is a website or an app similar to a bank where people can exchange their country's currency for Bitcoin. Uh, and this, I will, uh, I'll, I'll now explain kind of uh, the top uh, exchanges that are used that are really popular. Um, and I'll explain my favorite of these top exchanges. So some of the biggest and most reputable exchanges around the world to buy Bitcoin are Binance, uh, which is the number one exchange worldwide, Coinbase, which is the number one exchange in the United States, Kraken, Crypto.com, and a Bitcoin-only exchange. I don't even know if it's called an exchange, but it's called Strike. Um and Strike is my personal favorite for just buying Bitcoin. And I prefer Kraken for buying other cryptocurrencies. And I will get into other cryptocurrencies on a different podcast episode. So there are dozens, if not hundreds of exchanges. But in my experience, these five are easy, are the easiest and most user-friendly. So as I said, Binance is the number one exchange worldwide and Coinbase is the number one exchange in the United States. And in my experience, Coinbase is the easiest to use, has the best looking interface and has a lot of really good information about Bitcoin and all the other cryptocurrencies that are listed on Coinbase. So you can click on Bitcoin and it will tell you all about Bitcoin, how many Bitcoin there are, how much is in current circulation. Um, and I think it tells you how long people typically hold onto Bitcoin before selling it 
on average. So I like Coinbase because of uh, all the information that is available for each cryptocurrency that is listed. Uh, you can go check it out, coinbase.com, or download the Coinbase app. Uh, but as I stated, my favorite exchange for cryptocurrencies is Kraken. Uh, Kraken is my favorite. is very similar to Coinbase in that it's very easy to use for the individual, especially beginners. Kraken also has, and this is my favorite part, has lower buy-sell fees than Coinbase. So every time uh, you buy Bitcoin on Coinbase and Kraken, there's a small fee that they add on. Um, and this fee goes directly to the exchange. So if I buy $100 of Bitcoin on Coinbase, um, the, there might be a, a $3, $4 fee that goes directly to Coinbase. And this is how the exchange makes money. You know, the, it is a business, you know, businesses are in the business of making money. So they are offering a service to buy and sell cryptocurrencies, but these fees are how they make money, or at least one of the ways they make money. So, uh, as I said, Kraken's fees are much less than Coinbase. And for me, uh, you know, I'm only buying small amounts of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And so the less fees or the lower fees there are, the more of a cryptocurrency, um, I'm able to get. So it's more bang for your buck. And for me, this is really important. Important. Other people, it may not be as important, and that's just fine. Coinbase is by far the biggest and most popular in the United States. Coinbase is a very good choice to buy your Bitcoin. Um, crypto.com is another big one. I used crypto.com for a long time. Uh, it shows a lot more detail in their charts. So if you look at Bitcoin's charts, it'll show you price history and uh, how it goes up and down. Uh, and you can kind of compare Bitcoin to other cryptocurrencies and see how other cryptocurrencies prices goes up and down in comparison to Bitcoin. It's a little bit harder to use than Coinbase or Kraken and Binance. Um, it's a little bit more for uh, the advanced or intermediate crypto or Bitcoin uh, user. So I like crypto.com, but as I said, it's a little bit more difficult to use, not as much, uh, not so beginner user friendly. And then going back to Strike, Strike is by far the best way to buy Bitcoin. Uh, the only digital asset on Strike is Bitcoin, and it uses what is called the Bitcoin Lightning Network, which is an upgrade to the Bitcoin blockchain, which allows Bitcoin to be bought and sold and moved uh, transactions to happen much, much, much quicker than previously before. So I can buy Bitcoin on Strike and send it to a different wallet. And it is there oftentimes within 20, 30 seconds. Whereas if I buy it on Kraken and I send it to a wallet, it's usually there within 20 minutes. So Strike is awesome. And it is my preferred uh, exchange for Bitcoin specifically. So uh, we're going to move on to wallets, um, exchanges versus wallets. So exchanges, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, exchanges are like a bank for Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Um, and then there's two different types of wallets. There's a hot wallet and a cold wallet. 
And I like to use the analogy of a hot wallet being like a safety deposit box inside of a bank and a cold wallet being uh, compared to a safe that is inside your house. So with that in mind, uh, keep that visual in mind. So a, an exchange is like a bank. Now the bank has control over your money until you use it. You can use your debit card to purchase things, or you can go to the bank and withdraw that money. Um, and they're safe, but it is not, not the safest way to store your Bitcoin or cryptocurrency um, because there can be what's called a run on the exchange. Uh, if you've heard of a bank run where lots of people go try to pull out their money at the same time and the bank is not able to cover everybody's withdrawal requests because the bank doesn't have that much cash on hand. This happened about a month ago, maybe a little over a month ago, uh, where a few banks uh, in California collapsed because of this very thing. Um, if you want to listen to that, go listen to that episode. Uh, I can't remember if it's episode four or five, but it is called Banks Are a Scam. Uh, that's the title of that, that podcast. So, so a crypto exchange is very similar. It's safe and secure until it's not safe and secure. You don't have complete control over your Bitcoin if you leave it on an exchange like Coinbase or Kraken. So then there's hot wallets. Um, a hot wallet, as I said, I like to compare it to a safety deposit box inside of a bank, which is more secure than a checking or savings account, but it is still not the most secure. Uh, a hot wallet is called a hot wallet because it is separate from an exchange, uh, but is connected to the inner internet and still vulnerable to hacks, although not likely, but is still can happen. Um, so to, to open a hot wallet, you download whatever app or go to whatever website for different hot wallets. Um, and when you open a new wallet, it will give you a 12 or 24 word passphrase to open this wallet. And this is a random word, random words. And it is this, uh, the seed phrase to access your Bitcoin if you were to somehow lose access to your hot wallet. So I have a hot wallet on my phone. It's called Exodus. Exodus is by far my favorite hot wallet. The interface is really nice looking. It looks great. It's very pleasing to the eye. It's very, very, very user-friendly. And it has majority of cryptocurrencies available to store on Exodus. So, um, if I were to, if my phone were to break, I were to lose my phone, I would lose access to my Exodus wallet only for a time because I know what my 24 word passphrase is. I have it written down on a piece of paper and it's in a safe sitting somewhere in my house. So my phone breaks, can't access my Bitcoin. Uh, I will, I can get a new phone, download the Exodus app, import a a previous wallet is what it's called. And I will enter the 24 word passphrase that I had previously used to create this new wallet. And that 24 word passphrase will restore 
the wallet that I previously had and my Bitcoin or cryptocurrency is still there. It is still safe. So that pass rate is li- phrase is literally the key to accessing your Bitcoin or cryptocurrency if you were to lose it somehow. So cold wallets are very similar. It is an app. Uh, excuse me. A lot of times there is an app, but a, a cold wallet is a physical device and it's called cold because they are offline and not connected to the internet. Sometimes they can connect to the internet, but they are not usually connected to the internet uh, at all times. So by far the most popular cold wallet is called Ledger. Now Ledger makes several different kinds of cold wallets and you can go check them out. You can just Google Ledger crypto wallet and their website will pop up and they look a little bit like a USB drive or a thumb drive that you plug into your computer and it can either connect via cord or Bluetooth connection to your phone or to your laptop and you can transfer your Bitcoin to the ledger and a ledger is probably the most secure way to store your Bitcoin. And another popular cold wallet is called the Trezor. And Trezor, Trezor excuse me, is very similar to Ledger, and it's uh, kind of considered a cheaper option to the Ledger. And you can Google that as well and find their website. And I will pu- also put a link to Ledger, Trezor uh, in the show notes. But the cold wallet that I use for storing my Bitcoin is Arculus. Now, Arculus is a device that looks just like a credit card. You can order it on Arculus's website. As I said, uh, a card will come in the mail and you download Arculus's app. And then you use this card to, you tap it to the back of your phone uh, to open up a new wallet within the app. Enter You enter in the 12 to 24 word passphrase, and then you can transfer Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies onto Arculus within the app. And you only need the card when you are sending crypto or Bitcoin from your wallet to a different wallet. So you don't need this physical card to receive crypto from an exchange, which is really nice and convenient. So uh, I hope that makes sense about what Bitcoin is, how it works. Uh, We talked about uh, the limited supply of Bitcoin, how the Bitcoin blockchain works with Bitcoin mining computers, verifying transactions and actually mining Bitcoin. Um, and then we talked about the Bitcoin having how the reward that these computers are getting every 10 minutes is cut in half every four years and then how to buy Bitcoin and the different types of wallets there are. So hope you learned something today. If you are new to Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and you can check out the links in the show notes for more information on hot and cold wallets. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter. You can tweet at me or you can DM me on Twitter if you have any questions. Uh, my Twitter handle is at sdallred23. Thank you for listening to this episode on Bitcoin for fifth graders. And I hope it was simple enough for you to understand what Bitcoin is and how it works and how you can get into it if you have been wanting to. Thanks again. See you.